Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, GMC. And good morning to all of our guests. It is so, so good to see so many faces here this morning. And, um, I mean, it's a, it's a long weekend, but I've just sensed such a hunger here this weekend already. And this is my first time actually preaching in all four services. And I'll give you my, my early observation so far. If this means I get to be in the midst of worship four times on a Sunday, I'd like to do this a whole lot more because I'm just so thankful for our, our worship teams here and the way that they serve. But more than that, by the, just for the anointing that they carry and the presence of the Lord here. And so, um, super great. So I know I'm, some of us, we've been in and out a little bit the last, and everything's been crazy the last few months. So for those of you who don't know who I am, my name's Brian Nystater. I am the director of GMDS, our discipleship school here. And if you're a young adult between 18 and 25, don't know what you're doing this fall, or even if you do know what you're doing this fall, you should pray about it. I think it's going to be an awesome year, and I'm really, really excited about what the Lord has for us this year. But over the last month and a half or so throughout this summer, we've been preaching through a series, Summer in the Psalms. And the one that I'm speaking on today, I believe is one that is really, really important for where we are as a nation right now. And if the amount of warfare that I've walked through in the last week and a half is any any indication, I think this is a message we need to hear because I've been feeling resisted and it's just been a little bonkers um, around me for the last week and a half. So before we get into it, let's pray. Jesus, we ask for ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Lord, I ask this morning for none of my words, but all of yours. Lord, would you guide me? Would you speak through me? Lord, would you speak to our hearts the things that are burning on yours? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, over the last year and a half, it's, we don't even need to say anything almost, right? It's, it's, it's been a year and a half. It's been tough. And one of the things that can happen when we go through times like that is our focus can actually start to get really, really small. It's very easy for it to start getting really, really small, like into our own little bubble that we're in. And so we're, we're thinking about the things that, that we miss, the things we wish were different. We can, we can think through all these things. And what is, what's really easy to do is we start to think about all of our own concerns and none of the Lord's. And so we have a bunch of things that we know are on our heart, but we're not actually asking him what's on his And one of the things that can happen coming out of a season like this, and we're all praying that this season is going to end quickly and we can get back to to more of a, a normal life, is that we just want everything to get back to normal. My question for you is this, is what if God doesn't want that? What if what we consider normal life 
two years ago is not what God wants either for our nation or for his church. Because I want to suggest that whatever normal was before then was not bringing Canada closer to Jesus in a marked way. There's good things happening here. There's good things happening in many churches. I have friends in different churches. I travel. I got to speak in other churches. And I see many good things going on. But when I look at our nation as a whole, do we really want to go back to where things were? Is that really okay? You know, sometimes, in a, maybe often in the last year and a half, there could be the temptation, oh, Jesus, would you just come back, right? Like, oh, it would just be so great. Like, this life is hard, and we get through seasons where we feel that way. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I have, because I was living in Winnipeg for the last four and a half years. And I just remember thinking that if Jesus was to come back today, it would be the worst day in the history of Winnipeg. Be awesome for me. <laughs> Be awesome for the believers there. But what about the 600,000 plus who don't know the Lord? And the church in our nation as a whole, again, this is a generalization, has largely been living in existence. And that means us too. That is often focused far more on us than anyone else outside of us. Meanwhile, we have a nation of people who are lost and don't know the hope that can be found in Jesus. On Thursday, I was joining some friends of mine, and we were in, um, we were in Central Park in Winnipeg and ended up having a, a former gang member approach us. We were praying for a couple of, uh, couple of guys, and, um, and this guy just approached, and he says, is this an AA meeting? <laughs> and it's like, no, but <laughs> this can be. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and so uh, I just took him to the side, and so we sat down, and we just started having a talk. And... Um, I mean, he was showing me scars on his body from some of the stuff that he'd been involved with, telling me stories of family members who got killed, and I'm seeing a guy here who, who, who doesn't feel any hope at all, who's still so stuck in a cycle where it's like he wants to get out of this world that he's in, but he's, all he knows is family members who've been killed. All he knows is violence. All he knows is anger. All, all he knows is those emotions. And, and I saw the hurt in his eyes. And, and I also realized, like, oh, man, what is it going to take? What's it going to take to reach our nation? You know, we know that there are needs in Winkler. Sometimes they're a little bit harder to find, but they're there. We have people who, who really do need the hope of Jesus but after living in Winnipeg for a while, I could drive two minutes from my home and it was just so wide in the open. It was just so wide, wide, wide open. And I look at then we all look at the direction our nation has gone and is going right now. And it's a direction of we're going to try to figure things out on our own and we're not turning to Jesus. Do we really want to go back to normal? Do we really want to just have a free and happy existence here in the Pemina Valley region? While the rest of our nation goes without him? The Lord wants to wake us up. The Lord's heart is burning for the nation of Canada. And I want to talk a bit about revival this morning. 
because I know this to be true. First of all, I know it's true that I dropped my notes, but secondly, that when God comes in power, everything changes. When God comes in power, everything changes. I was once in a conversation with a, with a guy when I was uh, volunteering at Youth for Christ in Morden, and, and he just said, you know, like, we were just having an honest discussion, so we were just being real with each other, and he's like, yeah, I don't really know that, that God exists, and so I was, and so he was being real, so I was just being real, and I said, honestly, I said, like, I actually have more faith that God exists than that you exist, because I've, I've known you for a few weeks, and I'm getting to know you, but I've known Jesus for years, and I've just seen too many things, <laughs> I've seen him do too many things. And I know that when his presence comes in power, everything changes. About 10, 11 years ago, I had a chance to spend three months in the midst of a move of the Holy Spirit. And watch, it was over, I was there for three months. The move lasted around 10 or 11 months where the Holy Spirit was being poured out. And I got to hear testimony after testimony after testimony of people's lives whose hearts were radically set free. I heard, I heard a counselor come up front and talk about how in the midst of the Holy Spirit being poured out, people were, make, were getting more freedom in six weeks than they had in six months of counseling. And I love counseling. Counseling is so important. It's just like when the, when the presence and power of God comes in revival, the Lord just accelerates the process. Over a 10-month period, there was over 6,000 people documented who got healed in the midst of the move of the Holy Spirit. And that wasn't even Revival. I mean, there were some salvations, but mainly what the Lord was doing in that move, because the Lord does different things historically in different moves of his spirit. Mainly what the Lord was doing was healing up hearts. But when he comes in power, everything changes. In John 16, verse 8, Jesus was teaching about the Holy Spirit, and he says this. He says, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And we sometimes were like, oh man, there's that convict word. Like the Lord's going to come and bring conviction. And we almost use it like a scary word. But the Lord, the Lord doesn't just convict of sin. He convicts us of righteousness. You know, some people, I don't know, maybe you know some people like this. They're, they're, they're really, really good at pointing out the problems with everything. Like you can sit down with them for a half hour and they'll tell you what's wrong with the world, with everything but not a single solution, that's not the Holy Spirit. He's not there and he's, now he's just going to pick through your, a laundry list of all the things that are wrong in your life. When the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin, he always points to the solution and the solution is Christ. And it's such good news. We love the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's a good thing because when he convicts us, convicts us of our sin, he points to the way out, and the way out isn't having to earn our own righteousness. The way out isn't having to be good enough or somehow trying to make up for all the bad that we've done. The way out of it is turning from our sins and receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and when we give our lives over to him, he just wipes everything clean, and we're a new creation in Christ, and our past is wiped clean by the blood of Jesus. He paid the price for it. We love the conviction of the Holy Spirit because he's not just someone who points out a problem. He points to the solution. And this is true of the Holy Spirit's work, that he, he, this is what he does in our lives. But in revival, it's almost like this gets heightened and exaggerated in, in many ways, like in a good sense. Like where he will come and he will release his presence in power over towns, cities, and regions. So, tell you a few stories. In the early 1900s, 
in Wales, so it's in the United Kingdom. The, the nation of Wales was going through a time of just real like spiritual struggle. People were turning their back on God. The nation wasn't following the Lord anymore. There's a lot of sin, a lot of brokenness. I don't know, sound like any nation you know of? Maybe right now? Because the, this, like, this turning away from the Lord, this, the, this idea of a nation that's far from God, throughout history, this is a context in which the Holy Spirit moves. He doesn't release revival to places that are already on fire for the Lord. It's in places where things get, look hopeless. And in the midst of that, the Lord started to raise up people. And, and I've read the stories of how he'd raised up people in, in the hills and different groups of houses and villages. They would just get together and start to pray. That God, break in. God, have mercy. God, turn hearts to you. One of the things that was happening is that many of the men in, in Wales, the, the place where they got work was, was in the mines, and the mines were rough places, and these men were rough, rough men. Many of them would, would spend all of their paycheck, um, they'd just take their paycheck, go to the bar, blow it all. So their families, their wives and kids were living in poverty, no fear of the Lord, lots of crime, lots of partying. And in this midst, the Lord raised up these people who would begin to pray. And then the Lord laid his hand on a man named Evan Roberts, just a young man. He was actually in Bible school, and the Lord started to grip him with a vision for revival of seeing his nation turn to the Lord. One of the stories I've heard is he actually had a vision, and he saw a map of his nation of Wales, and the map was on fire. And he started to get so passionate about this, actually, they kicked him out of Bible school, and they said he had religious mania. So he said, we don't want you here, you're too passionate. But he goes back to his own church, he's not discouraged by this. The, the pastor lets him speak on a Sunday evening, because there's only a couple of people there anyway, and who's going to want to go listen to this young guy? You'll be fine. Within two years, 100,000 people had given their lives to the Lord. As the Lord poured out his spirit. Evan Roberts was the most well-known of the, of the evangelists of the ministers used in the Welsh revival. But there's many other ministers as well that the Lord raised up. And I love the stories of the power of what God did. There was so much, so much freedom happening in people's hearts. You know, the, the miners, they had these animals that they would use in the mines. And so like ponies and, and, um, and mules and horses, stuff like that, to, to, to pull the carts um, full of all the stuff they were mining. And so... Uh, these guys, they were just, um, you know, if, if, I would, if I would just use a stereotype, it would be sometimes what we think of people who work on pipelines. And I know it's not true of all, but pipeline guys are known for being a bit rough, and that's what these guys were. So all, all their animals just knew how to respond to curse words. Because every other word was a curse word. <laughs> well, after the revival, they actually had to retrain their horses. Because <laughs> they wouldn't, they're like, I'm not cursing anymore, I'm not using those words anymore. But, but it was deeper than that. I mean, some of their, their, you know, they would call them dance halls, it's our version of a nightclub, they were shutting down because no one wanted to go anymore. The soccer games and stuff they're having, and soccer was huge, it, it's like the CFL probably would be the closest equivalent. But they actually had to like just cancel the season because the players and the people alike were all just wanting to go to the meetings, to be in the churches where the, where the Holy Spirit was moving. Judges in the court system, one of the judges, at least one, maybe it was more, was actually given a pair of white gloves because there were no, court, no cases to try. Because of the work that the Lord was doing in people's hearts. And one of my, one of my favorite stories 
um, about, about Evan Roberts is that he would go from, um, he'd go from town to town, and so in some of these towns, there wasn't a church big enough to hold all the people. So they would just feel like in a town that had three or four churches, the, the people would just fill up all four of those churches, and they would all have an evening service, and through the course of a night, he would go from church to church to church. And in some of these revival stories, there's stories of ministers showing up like at 11 in the evening. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that was the time they could finally make it to, to this church. And so he's, he's coming in, and one of my favorite stories is he comes into this church, and so they had been, been waiting, but there was a service going on, and things were happening. Holy Spirit was moving. He gets up front, and he says, do you believe that wherever two or three are gathered in the Lord's name that he's there with them? And they're like, yeah. He says, great, then you don't need me, and he left. <laughs> Because it wasn't about Evan Roberts. It was about the presence of God coming in power. The Hebrides revival, this was in 1949 to 1952, a different move of the spirit. It's in the, the Hebridean Islands in the, off the north of Scotland. And in this revival, they said of this, that this was a revival where God stepped down from heaven. You know, in Acts chapter 9, Peter, he, or not Peter, Paul, he's, he's on his way to kill Christians. He's on a horse with, with some men around him. They're off to the next town to, to persecute, throw Christians in jail. And he's on his way, and he sees this blinding light, and the Lord speaks to him. He's knocked off his horse. He gives his life to the Lord. In the Hebridean revival, there's many, many stories of people who are just walking down the street and all of a sudden, the presence of the Holy Spirit would just hit them. People would be at work outside their barns. In one of the towns where, where this revival was being poured out, the, the minister, Duncan Campbell, is the, the most well-known figure of the, of the Hebrides revival. He just says, in, in one of the towns, 75% of the people who came to Christ came to Christ before they even got into the doors of the church because the power and presence of the Holy Spirit was there. When God comes in power, everything changes. And we're so used to, we've become so used to a powerless form of Christianity that we need to get back into scripture and see what happens when the Lord comes in power again. And we need to start hungering for something more. It's hard to believe for revival to come when you've never seen one, right? I mean, Acts chapter 5, one of my favorite stories in scripture about revival is in the midst of, of what the Holy Spirit was doing in the book of Acts. In one of the cities, they lined up all of the, all of the sick people in town along the streets. It's like in Winkler, the equivalent is if they emptied out boundary trails and just put everyone who was in beds or whatever right along the, the street and everyone who's dealing with mental illness Anyone who's, who's being tormented by demons, any, any of these people who are, who are just struggling in life, they lined them up on the street as the apostles came down, and the hope was that the apostles' shadow might just touch them, but it says in Acts 5 that all of them were healed. Can you imagine that? That's what happens when the presence of God comes. And the reason why I chose Psalm 24 is because Psalm 24 brings us into the biblical pattern that we see. It's the same pattern we see in 2 Chronicles 7, 13 to 14. We'll talk about that. Same pattern we see in Joel 2 of the biblical pattern for seeing revival come. 
We need to understand God's heart because sometimes we just think like revival, well, I hope it comes, but who knows? But there's actually a clear biblical pattern that the Lord has given us to step into. And if we do our part, he says he'll do his part. We just need to understand what our part is and then leave the timing in his hands. So if you have your Bibles, and we'll have the verses up on the screen as well, but you can turn with me to Psalm 24. Lord, help me get through this in the next 15, 20 minutes. I start talking about revival, I could go for hours. Um, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. We have to understand that. It's not our premier, and it's not our prime minister, and it's not the president south of the border who is on the throne. None of them are. Our God is on the throne. Our God is the one who is ruling over the nation of Canada. And right now we have these political systems that are almost designed to raise up messiahs. And so we put all of our hope in our political party. We put all of our hope in our political leaders. And we should pray for godly leaders. And we should vote according to our conscience and, and asking the Lord, Lord, raise up godly leaders. That's, that's all true. Like we, we, it's, it's important to have leaders. It's just that none of them are really in control. Because our God is seated high above them. And so when we hit seasons like this, and things seem out of control, when we understand that God in heaven is the one who's actually ruling and reigning, he's the one that our attention needs to be focused on. We've been wasting a lot of energy that hasn't been accomplishing anything. And in times like this, we must seek the Lord. We must seek him because he is sovereign over all of it. And if that's true, well, then how are we supposed to respond? I want to read from 2 Chronicles 7, 13 to 14, and this will lead us into the rest of Psalm 24, but, but I want to start here. It says, and this is God speaking, he says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. It couldn't be more clear. Do you know of any place that's been dealing with a bit of a drought lately? (laughs) I have a buddy and he farms... um, east of Winnipeg, and, and he's talking about, actually right now, it's this twin trouble of the drought and grasshoppers that are just wrecking up all, all of their fields, and it's their, it's their grazing land for their herds. He's a, he's a cattle farmer. How about a plague? <laughs> Any experience with one of those lately? And it's almost like the Lord is doing everything he possibly can to get our attention. Drought, 
There's grasshoppers that are not, not all the farmers widespread, but depending upon their, where they are and their access to chemicals, that's actually going on right now. And plague. All three of them are happening in our province right now. And the Lord says, in that circumstance, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'm going to hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The Lord has not made revival complicated. But he's made it so simple that almost no one does it. He's inviting us. He's inviting us into this right now. And if we don't see it, COVID might lift. The rains might come. But more shaking is going to come after that. More shaking is going to come because the Lord wants to awaken his church. And he's giving us an opportunity to respond to him right now. Scripturally, biblically, it could not be any clearer. We can try to explain it away in other ways, but if we're just going to take the Bible for what it says, our response could not be any clearer. And we see this in Psalm 24, 3 to 6, where, where he starts talking about who can actually approach the Lord. And he says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him. Those who seek your face, God of Jacob. And so his, his point after this, that God is, on, is in control, and he's like, well, who can approach him? Who can come before him right now? And it says, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. And the Lord is asking of us. Are your hands clean and is your heart pure? You know, the fruit of the Spirit in the Bible, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The people who've been talking with us for the last year or so would they say that that's a description of you? You know what they say? Man, when I talk to Brian, I just feel love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Or would they say Brian's been pretty cranky? Brian's been pretty angry. I get around him and I leave and I feel angrier than when I, when I was there. And I agree with him. He's great. It's great that he's angry. But boy, I just always leave feeling more worked up. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> and I'm reminded of Jesus where he goes to some of these Gentile towns and his disciples, there, they're with him and the, the, the Gentiles, they reject him. And so they say, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven on these towns? And Jesus turns to them and say, you don't know what spirit you're of. And there's been a lot that has been coming out of the church in Canada. And I'm going to say it, even the church in the Pemina Valley region, out of believers that is not bearing the fruit, the marks of the fruit of the Spirit. And God is not asking you to identify the 10 or 20 people or to point fingers somewhere else to figure out who those, who those people are. That's not what he's doing. He's not saying, Brian, can you identify the people you disagree with? He's saying, Brian, I'm asking you, look in a mirror. <laughs> and that's a completely different thing. 
You know, this is not about what side of any argument you stand on. This is not about your viewpoint on anything. This is about how's your heart doing with the Lord and what's on the inside of you right now. Are we walking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Is that what's coming forth from the church? And the Lord is inviting us to do a self-inventory. Again, this isn't about any church. This isn't about any other person. This is just about us and the Lord. Because we're so, I, I don't know if I'm emphasizing this because this is in my heart or this is in everyone's heart, but it's so easy for me to want to identify the people that aggravate me. And I probably need to ask, well, why am I so easily aggravated? Where's my peace? Where's my love? Where's my joy? It's about us. It's about our hearts. The Lord can deal with other people, but we need to deal with ourselves. In Psalm 139, 23 to 24, the Lord says, or not the Lord, the psalmist writes, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I believe we're living in a very serious time right now because the Lord is giving us an opportunity. Global plagues don't come along that often. This is the first one in our lifetime that's had this, this such, such an impact on Canada. And whether in your mind the plague is the, is the virus or your plague is the lockdowns, it doesn't really matter. We're all living underneath it right now. We need to take a, 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 just pay attention right now to what the Lord is saying. And we know that the bigger problem in that Canada's problem ultimately is not COVID-19, it's sin. Sin is a way bigger problem, but, but before COVID-19, most of us really didn't care that much outside of our own little circle about the sin issues around us either. And the Lord is wanting to wake us up. But we can't pray for revival if we have a heart full of slander and bitterness and gossip and backbiting and pride. And we have a spirit of rebellion on the inside of us. How do we pray for revival when we're the ones who need it? And so the Lord says, get your house in order. The Bible says that judgment begins with the house of the Lord. And I believe one of the reasons why some of the past sins of the church are being exposed right now in our nation is because the Lord is wanting to bring things to the surface so that there can be true repentance and then a true healing and a, and a true stepping forward. But he doesn't just want to do that in the church in our nation. He wants to do it in Brian Nystater's heart. And yours too. This is so important. Because what David is talking about in Psalm 24, he says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, it's the person who's gotten their heart right with the Lord. And the Lord always hears your prayers, but you can't pray for revival when your own heart is dead. <laughs> when it's weighed down by bitterness and unforgiveness and all of these things. 
So he's asking us to do an honest inventory. But then the passage goes on into verses 7 through 10. Because after we have done that work of getting our hearts right, right, it's, it's going back into Second Chronicles again. If we will humble ourselves and seek our, his face and turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear. And so we see the repentance part in the middle of Psalm 24. But then we get to the prayer part. And then he begins to proclaim. He says, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord almighty. He is the king of glory. And I love the story in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus is, he's, he gets to the other side of the lake and there's a man there with a legion of demons. Said his, the when he asked it to identify itself, my name is Legion because there's many. And Jesus steps across and there's this man with a legion of demons. And the man comes and throws himself at his feet. And the demons are screaming for mercy because they are terrified out of their minds because Jesus is there. Canada isn't too far gone. When I think about the North End in Winnipeg, you know, so many of the, they talk about Winnipeg being so violent. Well, it's basically just a few square blocks. A few square blocks aren't really a big deal for the Lord. The hard-heartedness that we sometimes see in small country towns of people who are independent have always done things their own way and they don't need God. Or, I've farmed my whole life, I don't need the Lord kind of idea. That is nothing before the King of glory. The Lord's strong and mighty. It's nothing before him. And we need to start believing that God really is who he says he is and expect him to move in the ways that he's moved in scripture. And he says he'll do it if we as a church will humble ourselves and seek him and then cry out in prayer. And even right now in our nation, I was at a a worship and prayer camp a few weeks ago in Saskatchewan and, and getting to talk to some of my friends who are worship leaders from different places in Canada, um, many of them in the prairies, and the Lord is up to something right now. Even in the midst of COVID, I'm seeing people who are burning for prayer, who are burning to see revival come, and the Lord is raising up worship and prayer. I think about the prayer summits that we have here at GMC and how it's such a key part of who we are. This crying out to God. And the Lord is calling us into it. A number of years ago, um, I was at a conference. And as the speaker was up there talking, he was telling some stories about revival. The presence of the Holy Spirit just began to fill the room. There was about 200 people in the room. And the presence of the Holy Spirit just filled it. And if you're asking me, Brian, what was that like? It's like, when, well, when, you, when you see it, you'll know. <laughs> it was just overwhelming. And people were responding in different ways to the Lord's presence. But I just started weeping. I just started weeping. I, 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 was, uh, I was sitting on a chair. And I, and I was just like doubled over. And I am just weeping and weeping and weeping. It's like I didn't need a Kleenex, I needed a towel kind of weeping. And this phrase just was going through me and the phrase was, I, I just heard it on the inside of me. I am gonna light Winkler on fire. 
And I kept hearing it, and every time I heard it, I just felt this wave of emotion running through me, and it was a presence of the Holy Spirit. As I believe that the Lord is calling us to turn our eyes to him. And worship team, you guys can come out already if you want. I believe the Lord is calling us to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the throne. I believe he's inviting us into doing a heart inventory in this season. He's inviting us to take inventory, to take stock of our lives. Again, it's not about anyone else other than that person you see in the mirror. Are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? And then he's inviting us to pray like never before. The Lord started striking my heart with this reality about 10, 12 years ago. And I hope by his grace, I'm never stopping until, until he comes back. But I want to see revival come. I want to see this region lit on fire with passion and love for Jesus. I want to see a generation of evangelists sent out into the nations from this area. I want to see ordinary folks like us emboldened to reach out to, to go not just across the ocean, but across the street to our friends and neighbors and share the good news of Jesus. The Lord's given us a chance to reset our hearts. I just want to invite you to stand right now. And we're going to pray. So even right now, Lord, we turn our hearts to you. And I ask God for grace. Oh, Lord, I ask for grace that we would walk in holiness. Lord, that when we go home today, we would actually do that inventory. Lord, that we wouldn't point our fingers somewhere else. But we let your Holy Spirit just point his loving finger and convict us, but point us to the solution too. I thank you that there's grace found at the cross of Jesus. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray for this region. God, and we pray for our nation. And God, we ask, have mercy. God, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. God, I ask that you would light this region on fire with love for you. God, every church, every congregation that names your name, that you would light them on fire. Lord, we pray that those who don't know you would come into the freedom and glory of knowing you, Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would turn our nation upside down with your goodness and mercy and love, and you would turn the heart of this nation to you, Lord. King of glory, we ask that you would come. And Lord, we just say this morning, Lord, we don't, we have no interest in, in playing games. God, we want the fullness of what you have. So Lord, we ask for grace to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.